It happened. Josh Kerr is your world 1500 meter champion, and Jakob Ingebrigtsen, the bridesmaid, for the second year in a row. We break it all down next. This is supposed to be a supporters club only podcast, where we're giving everyone about the first 20 minutes. But you got to be a supporters club member to hear the rest. Join today. Let's run.com slash subscribe. Use code club 25 to save 25%. You get an extra podcast every week, savings and running shoes. And you support a great site. Our meetup in Budapest was amazing. We had Narv Nordas' former roommate. We had Niels Laros' parents. Join the Let's Run Revolution today. Let's run.com slash subscribe. The Europeans say that he hasn't really been in a war yet. And this boy's got lots of belief in him. See him out. She's found me acceleration. Track and Field fans, if you're not a Supporters Club member, at the end of last night's show, you missed a great call by the fake Josh Kerr. Here's what he had to say. Hi, boys. It's your old pal here, the fake Josh Kerr. Been a while. I've missed you, boys. But, you know, I've been busy. i got a big race tomorrow. Culmination of all my hard work. But I've been following your excellent, excellent podcast because, as you know, the fake Josh Kerr is also a supporters club member. Fake Josh Kerr. So, just wanted to phone in, touch base, say I'll see you guys tomorrow. And uh, Jonathan, remember, when you're singing along with me with the anthem, we have a king now. It's not a queen. Don't forget. All right, boys. We'll talk soon. Cheers. What a premonition, folks. When they're singing the national anthem tomorrow, handing out the gold medals for the men's 1500, yet again, it will be the British song. But it won't be God Save the What's Queen. The British song? Yeah, the British song. It's the national anthem. Last year for Jake Whiteman, it was God Save the Queen. This year for Josh Kerr in Budapest, it's God Save the King. Josh Kerr is your 2023 world champion in the 1500 meters. Second consecutive athlete from Edinburgh Athletic Club to win that title. And he did it in a virtual carbon copy of last year's World Championship final, taking down Jake, oh, sorry, Jakob Ingebrigtsen over the last 200 meters. I mean, absolute insanity. This was, we've been talking about this race and hyping about it for about the last 12 months on this podcast. And this is why, because that's track and field is absolute finest. I flew over for Worlds. Robert and I here were one day together. We wanted to see this race. We've dissected this race for hours, right, leading up to this. It's the one race we all talk about. I think it shows why the 1500, it's gotta be the greatest long distance race because there's so much uncertainty. If you're Jakob Ingebrigtsen, the alpha dog, Hisham El Garouche, the alpha dog in the event, you can still lose. It has to go perfectly. It didn't go perfectly. We can discuss that. Once again, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, under the weather, he says. But let's not take away. Josh M.F. Kerr, your world effing champion for 1,500 meters. I mean, two guys from the same like track club, Jonathan, that's what athletics club is. Like, explain this to yeah, us. I like, mean, two, two guys from Scotland itself would be crazy because Scotland is not particularly big. It's only got a population of 5.4 million. For two people, two different people from that country to win world titles in consecutive years, rare enough. 
Then they're actually both from Edinburgh, and they're both from the same club in Edinburgh. And to do it in the same way against the same athlete, it's, I mean, I don't know, it boggles the mind. I think the only crazier thing would have been if Nava Nordas won this race, which maybe this race was 20 meters longer. He would have. He comes by, he gets the bronze medal, three hundredths of a second behind Jakob. I don't think anyone saw that. Well, I mean, we saw Nordas as a potential medalist, but for him to be that close to Jakob, for anyone to be this close to Jakob, we've been talking about it all year. I don't think we, no one predicted this. For sure not. I mean, we've had a great day for our podcast guest this year. We had Nard Nordas on the podcast. Thank you, intern Alex. You lined him up. And we thought it was a cool story. The 10K runner, who's now a 1500 meter runner, I thought, okay, maybe this guy will make, I didn't think he'd make the final at Worlds. I didn't think he, then I didn't think he'd get third. And afterwards, he was saying, that race is another 50. I'm your gold medalist. And that's what I want. He, he was talking confident. It's crazy. Two guys, like, from the same town in Norway? Well, I, mean, I don't think they're actually from the same town. They do, you know, Gerd Ingebrigtsen is now his coach, was Jakob's coach when he won the Olympics. But that's pretty crazy. Gerd Ingebrigtsen has now coached two global medalists in the 1500. Uh, again, Norway's not, I mean, Norway's kind of like the same. So Scotland, three. Oh, three. Philip, I'm forgetting about Philip. Wow, Gerd's really racking him up, huh? And Danny Mackey of the Brooks Beast. Has coached a world champion and shout out to Danny. He's not here. Has been a, I don't know how much I can say a personal a tragedy in his family. It's just I'm sure he was extremely emotional at home. So I mean, we, we on Athletics Club gets a glowing write up in, in the New York Times. But which U.S. group produced the first gold medalist? Yeah, the Americans. Fifth for Yard Nagus. And afterwards, he said, look, I, I was happy with the race. I mean, he said it beforehand. Like, I'm enjoying myself here. I, I honestly, sincerely think he believed that, John. He had a smile on his face the entire time. And I like his attitude. But for him, it wasn't. It's tough at this level. You can't. There's no room for error. It wasn't his best race. Cole Hawker, seventh. Neither one of those guys was really a factor on the final lap. Um, our other podcast, podcast guest. Niels Laros, the 18-year-old kid from the Netherlands. OMG. I mean, that guy was in contention at the bell, in contention with 200 meters to go. He ran to win. Yeah. For an 18-year-old in his first global final, going up against a legend like Ingebrigtsen, oh, he, he was right there going for it at the bell. He was in bronze medal position with 200 to go. Him and Abel Kipsang were battling it out. Now, he fell apart at the last 100, but... That's because he was running faster than he ever has. He still ran a PB, 331.25, Dutch record. That only got him 10. Well, he didn't really run. fall apart the last 100. I would say the last 50. But what a baller race. 18 years of age, you're focused on European on under 20s or under 23s. And then he PRs both in the semifinal and final. National records both time. Takes a second and a half. This was crazy. I mean, you, you always think, and again, I use the same analogy over and over. No one can play good as tennis as Roger Federer. And then there's people that are better or just as good. And I think that, I mean, you don't want to put too much pressure on someone and predict the future, but this kid is barely shaving. He's had a magnificent year. If he was the U.S. high schooler, he would have the U.S. record at 800, 1,500, 3,000, and 5,000. That is just wild. And what was cool was we had a let's run meetup at a bar, what, a stone throw from here? This afternoon at four o'clock, the first people in the door 
We're like, hi, who are you? Hi, we're Neil Valero's parents. We're like, what the hell? So it was so cool to talk to them. And they're like, well, Niels is a let's run baby. It was only a couple of years ago. He was in the back of the car. We were on a European, you know, we're on vacation in Europe. So European vacation is not quite a big deal when you're from Europe. But listening to the podcast, dreaming of being great. And now he's great. But the, I said, well, hey, I really think he can medal. There's a shot at a medal. What's the race plan? Is he going to play conservative and do what Nick Willis used to do, which is run his own race? never really be in the contention for the win and get a medal? Or is he going to put himself in a spot where he can win the whole thing? And they said, the dad's like, I got a text from the coach. He said, he's got two, two, two game plans. He's debating which one to use. One was super aggressive. One was a little safer. So when Niels came through the mix zone, I said, uh, you know, your dad told me this story. What was the, which one did you use? He's like, did you watch the race? <laughs> so, this kid was running to win it. I mean, he's like, obviously, in any race, you want to try to win. But he was fourth 400 meters into this race. He was tied for third with 200 meters to go. Fourth with 100 meters to go. Incredible, incredible run. Really incredible run. Shout out to Cole Hawker. He's been injured. Achilles problems, left foot, right foot. He PRs today. Takes a step back from the Olympics in terms of place. He's like, look, I was sixth there, seventh today, but he was much happier about this. Why? Because he's like, in the Olympics, I was never in it for the for a medal. He's like, they were way back at 800, and he ran a fast time, but it was just about place. Here he was in a position where he, you know, could have gotten a medal if he'd been a better, but he's missed a lot of time. The thing that makes me as someone who's had an Achilles surgery is once you have an Achilles injury, I'm always afraid it's going to lead to surgery. He's going to mess around for a year or two. Obviously, he doesn't want to have the surgery now at the Olympics. And is he going to come back? These Achilles problems. If he has problems next year, he needs to go under the knife immediately so he can be ready for 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028. But interesting, he told me, I want to stay with Ben Thomas. I don't want to change things for Olympic year. I'm really excited that I was able to do this. I'm limited training this year. I'm excited for next year. But Ben Thomas is moving from Oregon to Virginia Tech. He's like, I don't know if I'm going to move there, if I'm going to be coached remotely, if I want to go to altitude. He's like, there's five or six different ways that Ben could end up coaching me but I want Ben in my corner. So that's the update um, on Cole Hawker. But, well, can we go back to Josh? Yeah, we need- I feel like we haven't talked about this guy enough. Because well, he, look, I-, I will just say this. <clears throat> from, the, from the moment he upset Edward Cesarek at the 2017 NCAA Indoor Championships, it was clear this guy was special. He didn't just beat Cesarek. He destroyed him over the last 600 meters. And I was like, that is the kind of clothes you can't teach. That could win a world championship medal someday. He got that Olympic bronze medal in 2021. He realized that potential. And then I, I was kind of thinking, like, is that as high as he goes? You know, he's a great athlete. He's going to be in the mix. I think Robert strongly felt that he was going to medal in this race. But we didn't know the gold medal. It just didn't look like it was on the table. You've got someone as good as Ingebrigtsen. I know he got beat last year, but look. Ingebrigtsen was a bigger favorite than he was last year. We were all t- I was just thinking through my brain, like, is there any scenario where he gets beat? I didn't consider him being sick, which I, I, I mean, people are down. They're like, oh, this is just an excuse. He's saying anything, he got beat. I don't know. I watched that race. I didn't think he looked like Ingebrigtsen. But to go to car, I mean, it was just phenomenal. He, he came in. He was right there where he needed to be on the last lap, on Ingebrigtsen's shoulder. He got in that good position. And he took advantage of it. He you know, 
some some guys might waste it. He was like, no, I'm there. I was there in Lausanne and I didn't go with it and I regretted it. And I was like, I'm not going to take that chance. I'm going for it. I'm not going to give myself any chance to make any regrets. Went for it with 200 meters to go. Was right with him. He, he didn't get any ground. Ingebrigtsen fought like hell. And then coming off the final turn, pull, Kerr pulls away, gets the victory. I mean, super impressive stuff. But yeah, we were, we were saying he looked good in the semis, looked good in the prelims, had run a couple good races, but you know, I, I just I didn't know he could get to this level, and he and he did on the biggest stage. When you think about it, though, coming in, I think after the bronze, John, that might have been his one-off chance. But this year, you saw it: the three K at Melrose, the races in Europe. He went to the Diamond League. He raced the best. You're like, wow, he's doing better. He's running faster. And then hearing him talk afterwards. He left like no stun and un- unturned. I, I guess before we talk about his diet and that sort of stuff, like let's talk about some. John was talking about. We got a clip here for him here about you know the last two hundred in the race. I thought he was going to wait for it. I think you know obviously he's a very smart runner, and I watched a lot of film, and I thought maybe Yared or someone was going to have a go at him at two hundred because it's the. I would say it was the inexperienced runner's move by just trying to replicate what happened last year. Um, it's almost an underthink. But, you know, for me, I was like, maybe someone will attack him on the outside with 200 to go, try and push him a little bit too hard, and I'll come with 100 to go. But, you know, I felt like he was lagging maybe a slight percentage on that back stretch, and I was like, I felt that in Oslo, or in Lausanne, I didn't take that opportunity, and uh, I wasn't going to hold anything back today. So. Yes. That's the crazy thing, is he said he watched back last year's World Championship final. He's like, oh yeah, I probably am responsible for half of the views of that thing on YouTube. He studied it, and he's like, I'm not going to do what Whiteman did because I'm probably, you know, someone's going to do it. They're going to run out of steam the last hundred. Except when he gets in the moment, he was like, he smelled blood. And he's like, screw it. I'm going for it. This is the moment. And he proved himself right. But it's just so funny. You can go in with the plan. You can say, this is exactly how I'm going to run it. But you've got to use those racing instincts. And he did. Yeah, I think, well, I think he said it wasn't, exa- it wasn't exactly like Whiteman because he didn't beat him to the 200. But he's like, now's my chance. I go. Yeah. And actually, John, that's the second clip I had. Here's more from Josh. How much did you watch last year's final? And like, did, I think I'm 50 percent of those views. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I just you know I have so much respect for Jay Whiteman, and and he ran such a phenomenal race last year. And you know, I knew I knew I would have to run it slightly different. And I wouldn't say I ran a very perfect race today, but from what I have been planning for the last couple of months, it was close enough to it where. Uh, I didn't get emotional until the last 150, and you know, at that point, it was just throwing everything I had at it. It wasn't perfect, and what was, what was wrong, with, wrong with it? I haven't watched it back yet, but I, there was a couple times in there I was like, damn, that was a mistake, and you can't really make many of those. But I need a bit of luck on my side today, and uh, I was able to get it. You know, obviously, he's a very fast runner, but a lot of pressure on him and, and a big target on his back. So, yeah, I'm just proud of the way I put, yeah, executed today. Some cool stuff from him. This race, in some ways, guys, I mean, obviously, it's carbon copy of last year in terms of the tactics, Scott winning. But the other thing that reminds me of last year was, let's go back to Tokyo, the Olympics, John. You and I were there in the empty stadium. But the person that, you know, obviously there, Britson won it. But the per- one of the people that looked, if you were going to pick an upset winner in Tokyo, you and I both would have said, watch it just based on who looks the best in the first round in the semis. Jake Whiteman looked incredible. Yes. And then he just laid an egg in the final. And last year, Josh Kerr looked incredible, was talking a huge game and kind of laid an egg in the final. Same thing in Commonwealth or Europeans. And this year, 
he wins it. So, you know, they, they show the brilliance last year, but can't do it in the final. And then this year they do the, do the final. I only wish that I'd put the bet down. If I'd actually typed up the betting guide to this meet, and I, I thought about it. I was going to do it. I, I mean, I said in the podcast, you should definitely bet him at 50 to one. There's some people in the, in the chat are saying they made a lot of money off me, but like he ran 330 for his opener. He ran 329 in second race. I'm like, if he's getting better than that, not many guys are going to be able to, in 328 shape, that gives him a real legitimate shot. I looked at the betting odds on Bovada last night, though, and it was only like 20 to one. I'm like, oh, man, because I was already up like $300 from the women's 100. I'm like, 20, I want 50 to one. So I didn't put it. I did put some money down on Sagai as the fourth favorite at 12 to one and 5,000. That means no sense to me. So I could win $1,000 there if she wins. But, um, you know, th this was just. A, a great race, you know, for Josh Kerr. Congrats to him. And the, I think the real question now is, what we always have been wondering since last year, is Inger Bridgen just inherently vulnerable in these championship-style races because he's not super fast? Like, we, it's the same. It's kind of the opposite of why we view him almost as unbeatable in a championship 5,000. Who's going to run away from him? He's got such good speed, and he's going to blast him at the end. But in the 1500, how is he going to run away from everybody else? And they've got better speed than him. Now, that's one way to think of it because the only 1500s he's lost, he's now lost, what, three straight global finals? If you count World Indoors, yeah. World Indoors last year, World Outdoors, World Outdoors. And, but it was interesting. Coming and won the, everything else. Won I mean. everything else. So he comes to the mix zone, though. And credit to him, unlike so many of these Americans, when they have a bad race, they won't stop in the mix out. Or even if they have a good race, they won't stop at the mix out. And he wasn't very, up, you know, he was disappointed not to win, but he wasn't that upset because he said it was harder to take last year. He, first of all, he said, I want to give a credit to, jo to Josh. He ran a great race. He's the champion. So classy move there. But he said, you know, last year I felt like I didn't win because I made tactical mistakes. He's like, there's nothing I would have changed about today's race. I felt like I, I, I competed well. Let's hear from him. Perfect race. Um, so I think it, it, uh, it was exactly how I was, I was hoping it to be. But unfortunately, uh, I didn't feel uh, 100%. Um, so I felt that after five, six hundred meters that uh, my legs were not feeling uh, as smooth uh, as I would uh, like them to be, but uh, obviously not not the best runner today, unfortunately, so a little bit disappointing, but this will be seen. And we've got a couple clips. I've got some audio up on YouTube when there's a part of the mix zone you can't actually film him, but I just took the audio. And there he said, you know, the reason why his legs didn't feel good at five or 600 meters is he's like on the morning of the, of the first round, he got a little dryness in his throat. His felt throat did not feel good. But in the next day, he had a really bad sore throat, did not feel good. Here, wait, he had a really sore throat when he was showboating during the semifinals. That's what he's saying. Hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you got to be a supporters club member to keep listening. Go to let'srun.com slash subscribe. We got over a full hour podcast. Let's run.com slash subscribe.